You're listening to The Creation Academy, a weekly podcast and radio show defending the truth of God's Word in biblical creation science. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and in this lesson, we're talking about the Bible and young earth creationism. We're in a series called The Basics of Creation Science, and we're exploring our worldview. We're looking and seeing how the world works in relation to the Bible, and specifically as it relates to what we call young age creation or recent creation, or like we like to say it around here, biblical creation. So that's what we're dealing with, and we're going through this series. It's a 10-part series, and this is lesson number two. And what we want to do is look at our biblical support for a young earth. Now, what I need to say is a couple things. Number one, I'm going to be moving through this rather quickly. Uh, because we don't have much time and there's lots of ground to cover. So that leads me to number two, that this will not be an exhaustive study on each of these areas. This is simply to um, get us more familiar with our position and to kind of examine uh, where we're coming from. Now, obviously, we're going to have many, uh, many podcast episodes and, and many radio episodes that are going to uh, be dealing with these subjects in greater detail over a, a period of time. But for this particular series, these uh, studies will not be exhaustive, but if nothing else, they should prompt some questions for you to do and to use in your research. So I want to look at a couple things in this area concerning the Bible and young earth creationism. So the first thing that I think we need to look at and we need to understand is that for the Bible to claim there to be a a young earth or for us to claim that the Bible um, has a young earth, we're going to have to have some, some pretty good support directly from the scripture in order to claim that, okay? And so, um, one of the places that we get those qualifications from um, is the word day in Genesis 1. Uh, now, there have been books written about this subject, okay, <laughs> from, from all sides. So, it could go either way. But uh, what we need to ask here is not, can the text mean a long period of time? What can the text mean by the word day? What we need to ask and know the answer to is, what does it mean when we say a literal day? What does it mean? And I find something interesting. Um, I got uh, this from Answers in Genesis. They say outside Genesis 1, Yom, which is the Hebrew word for day, is used with a number 359 times, and each time it is an ordinary day. Now, why would Genesis 1 be the exception? And that's a really good question to ask because it really does seem that the only place that this is a controversy is here in Genesis 1. Nobody wonders if Jonah was in the belly of the whale for for three years or three million years, uh, nor do they wonder about how long it took for Joshua and um, the children of Israel to march around Jericho, okay? Uh, Nobody else wonders that. So this is the only text in all of Scripture where this is an issue. They also say that um, outside Genesis 1, Yom is used with the word evening or morning 23 times. Now, evening and morning appear in association, but without Yom, 38 times. All 61 times, the text refers to an ordinary day. Now, why would Genesis 1 be the exception? And those are pretty good questions to ask. Now, I haven't looked at the Greek and Hebrew on this, but on the King James Bible, they also have a definite article, 
Okay, many of the other translations miss that. That's another reason why I I prefer the King James. Okay, it says that the evening and the morning were the first day, the second day. Okay, the third day. That's how it's written. And so if we look at Genesis 1-5, it kind of establishes that pattern. It says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening, morning, definite article, number, and the word day. I think it couldn't be any clearer that in Genesis 1, what we see are literal 24-hour days of creation. Now, another subject, which we're not going to dive into much here at all, but just something to think about is the genealogies. If you add up the genealogies in the Bible, even if you were to um, go ahead and work the math in for the potential skipped generations in the places where generation gaps are possible as, as, as brought in by the text, if we were to um, just super extrapolate that. The highest number that we would come out at would be about 9,900 um, years, something like that, just under 10,000 years. So I don't think there could be an argument made for an old earth um, from genealogies, okay? So this is where we get the idea of a young earth, the genealogies and the literal day. Now, there are a couple other considerations. There are some controversies when we look at the text um, that people say, well, this is impossible. We can't possibly have have a young earth. Uh, it doesn't make any sense because of these things. And here, here are a couple things that we see. Uh, pre-solar light. Pre-solar light. If you read your Bible, it's going to tell you that the sun and the moon were not created until day four. Now, that uh, poses a potential problem, okay, um, because we see plant life and things of that nature being created on uh, day three. And so, the question that when we begin to ask ourselves is, well, how does that make any sense? And of course, we know that um, God said, let there be light before the fourth day, Right? And so, doesn't that cause a problem? There was light in the creation before the fourth day. So, um, this is a problem, okay? This is a problem, uh, except I don't think it is. Um, what we need to learn here, okay, is that when, when God says something, okay, it, it's, a, it's a principle of hermeneutics. If the literal sense makes good sense, Seek no other sense at all, okay? That, that's the way that, that we read our Bible, okay? We can add in allegory and things like that in places where the text um, gives license to it. This is not one of those cases, though, okay? Genesis 1 is, is written in pretty standard history. Now, it does add some other elements in there. We're, we're not getting into all that today. But for the most part... The book of Genesis is written in historical format. That includes Genesis 1, okay? So that's how it's written, in, in classic um, historical Hebrew format. And so we need to read this as history. Now, there could be multiple reasons for this. Um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, people worshiping the sun and things like that in, in these different cultures. Maybe God did it this way on purpose. I don't know. Uh, I don't like those why questions. But the fact is, if we read our Bible in the plain reading of the sense, we definitely have to deal with the reality of pre-solar light. And if you're listening on the podcast, I will link to a blog post I wrote. Um, 
in the show notes uh, to get you there. Otherwise, if you just want to go to steveschramm.com and scroll down a little ways on the right-hand side, there's a sidebar. It's one of my most read articles, and um, it deals with that issue. Why didn't God give the light source for creation days one through three? Um, And I believe that is the title of the article. So you are welcome to check that out. Pre-solar light, we have to deal with this. Okay, Uh, the time period on the sixth day. So that's a consideration. Um, old earth creationists especially claim that Adam had a lot to do that day. Um, he had a lot of animals okay, to name on that day. And so how do we, how do we reconcile that? How do we deal with that? Um, that's another consideration. But let's be honest. We realize that there were created kinds in the Bible. Okay, It's not like Adam had to name the millions of species that we have today. Um, I think one estimate I saw was somewhere you know, around 5,000 animals or something like that would be the, our current estimation as to what Adam had to name. Now, that's not a huge deal. Not to mention, Adam was pretty smart. Um, arguably, uh, he would be much smarter than we were. He could have been uh, many, many years old by this point. So... Um, of course, we realize he was created maturely, but uh, they lived a lot longer back then. So uh, it doesn't exactly tell us when this happened. Okay, so um, other than the fact that um, God could have given him the knowledge. Okay, as far as the names, I'm just not worried about that. I think it's limiting God to say that this had to happen as if you and I were Adam, as if it was so naturalistic that that it would be the same as one of us trying to name all the animals. I don't think we can, I don't think we can say that, okay? Um, and as far as there just being too much to do on that day, uh, you know, give me a break, okay? I mean, it, it, it's God. Their argument is that there was too much for God to do in one day, really? God, God could have done it in seconds. I believe there's a reason why he did it in six days. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, a couple other considerations, symbiosis, the relationship, like pollination, things like that. Um, relationships between plants and animals and, and different things in nature that had to be uh, quick. They couldn't have survived for millions of years without those relationships. And they certainly couldn't have evolved that way. There's just no evidence of that. Photosynthesis, systems and processes like that, very similar to symbiosis. So it, there's this has got to, there has to be an explanation for this. These days are going to have to be close in order for those kind of processes and those kind of relationships uh, to work. Distant starlight, this is a big one, one that we talk about um, on our blog quite often, and I'm sure we'll talk about on the podcast quite often. Um, there are many different models. We can't possibly get into it here, but you have to consider that Adam could have seen the starlight, right? I mean, we would have to agree with that, right? That Adam saw the light from the stars. And so however God did it, it needs to be in such a way that Adam could see the light. And for that, I like Jason Lyle's um, Anisotropic Synchrony Convention, ASC. Look up that, and I really think that Dr. Jason Lyle is on to something with that. So those are some considerations, okay? But they're not impasses. They're things that we need to realize and we need to understand when we look at the text and we need to either create better models or we need to do further looking into. But remember, we're not creationists because of evidence. We're creationists because this is what the Bible says. And so we need to figure out a model that works, okay? That, that makes a good explanation of that. Two final things and then we'll be done. So um, the uh, next consideration we want to look at is death, pre-fall. This is why we know the earth has to be young, okay? Because if the earth is 
not young, that means it's old, and there were millions and millions of years of, of death and suffering and cancer and um, things that we would think of when we think of a cursed ground, thorns, things like that, that are found in the fossil record that would have to have been there before Adam. They would be pre-Adamite, if that were the case. But the Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. 1 Corinthians 15.21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And people try to get into semantics right here, but I want to I want you to consider something. The verse says, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And then it says, and so death passed upon all men, but it clearly says before that that death entered by sin. That's a very important phrase. We need to read that correctly because otherwise you can fit all kinds of things in there. You can make it say whatever you want, but the Bible says death by sin. That means sin brought death into the world for all things, okay? Not just for Adam. So we have to understand that the Bible has to be young in order for that verse to be true. And then our final proof that we're going to look at for today, the purpose in creation. The purpose in creation. Exodus 20, 11. Why did God create in six days instead of six seconds? Well, let's notice what he says. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Here it is. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And hallowed it. And if you look at a couple verses before that, I think it's verse um, eight. Uh, I'm sorry, verse yeah, either verse eight or nine. It says, um, six days shalt thou work." Okay, and then you're gonna rest on the seventh day. So that's why God did it the way He did it. He wanted to give us a pattern to establish our week by, and we've been living with that pattern for a long time. Here's something you cannot forget: you cannot escape God. He has placed Himself all throughout creation all throughout nature. And by the way, in Exodus 20, 11, the word for days there, that's the plural form of yom. It's yamin, okay? And it's always used with literal 24-hour days. No exceptions. It's pretty amazing how God gave us this in His Word. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for this time today. Pray you bless um, our lives, Lord, and uh, just honor our work, Lord, for you. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on the Creation Academy. We'll see you next week.